This episode is sponsored by Divein, a mobile app that makes it easy for anyone to do more good in their local communities. The Divein app connects users to local nonprofits as well as thousands of volunteer opportunities and events. On the app, users can also share stories that inspire others to give back. You can download Divein by visiting divein.app/download. Please stay tuned for this week's installment of Let's Dive In. We'll be hearing from Johnny Irwin, Executive Director at CitySurf Project. CitySurf Project is one of the thousands of organizations you can find and connect with on the Dive In app. Before we start the podcast, please show us some love by rating and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening from there. You can also tell your friends about Sincerely Human. Help us spread stories of inspiring and kind humans who are doing good in the world. Thanks guys. Now on to this week's episode. I was going into rooms as a scripted writer. I was going into rooms in Hollywood and I was like, "Hey, you know, media can do more. Media can entertain and uplift." And people would look at me like I was insane. And uh it was the first time I had ever really dedicated myself to a mission in my life. You know, because back when I was in the fashion industry, it was like partying and making money. Like it, it wasn't about like this is my reason for living. And all of a sudden now, everything changed. Where I'm like, I have this mission, and I'm going to see it through, and I'm not going to accept no for an answer. And a lot of doors got slammed in my face, but I believed. I had this visceral, real sense of belief, and everything changed when I met. Justin Baldoni, my current business partner, everything changed when I met him. This is the story of Farhood Maybodi, masterful storyteller and the executive vice president of creative at Wayfarer Entertainment. This is Camille, and this is Maverick, and this is Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. Farhood grew up as a young Persian kid in LA back in the eighties. I've been very fortunate to travel quite a bit all throughout the country, and I spent a lot of time in the South and the Midwest. And you know, I love Central America and South America and and all that. But L.A., you know, the city of angels has always been home. His parents immigrated from Iran to the United States before Farhood was born. I feel like there was a lot of you know prejudice and discrimination at that time. You know, I think right now it's so funny. <laughs> It's kind of like being Muslim is a cool thing. I, I, <laughs> like I never really thought that would be possible. I mean, if you would have told me when I was a kid that you know we'd have this zeitgeisty moment as you know brown people in America, I would say that's insane. Because when I was a kid, when you turned on the media, you know, mainstream media, films, TV, all the people that looked like me were like the enemy. For Hood says they were often portrayed as terrorists, that they were portrayed as dangerous. I mean, I really think the only brown person who was like, you know, somewhat cool and fun was like Apu from The Simpsons. <laughs> that was it. 
He says the general representation of his culture impacted the way he told stories. It made me really ashamed of where I came from. It made me want to hide all the parts of my culture and all the parts of my you know, family lineage. And it made me just want to kind of blend in. And I went to a school of all white people. I was one of you know, maybe two brown people in the whole school. And it just made me want to suppress my culture. Farood's environment was just one of the many roadblocks in this journey. I think growing up as, you know, the only son of a Persian family, there were three options for me, either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. <laughs> and look, I think when it comes to immigrants and their children, immigrants have a unique relationship because they're kind of like um, explorers, right? Like they're leaving the place where they grew up. They're leaving their safety net and they're leaving everything they know and they're going to a new place. You know, it's... It's kind of a very American thing when you think about like Manifest Destiny and Westward Movement and all that. But like my parents left this world and they came to a new place. But the thing is, the most important thing is security and safety. So let's backtrack a little bit. Farhood's parents dreamed that he'd have a career as a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. None of these are remotely close to what Farhood would end up becoming. When I was a kid, I always loved films. You know, in my bedroom when I was a child, I had all these movie posters on the walls, like The Godfather, it's like all these films. And my mom was like, oh, you like films? You should be an entertainment lawyer. <laughs> yep, there goes that lawyer thing again. I was a lawyer in my past life, and I'm Filipino. So, go figure. Yeah, because for her, it's like, okay, cool, you have this interest, but let me frame it in this rigid way of what is acceptable for you to do. Farood did end up in law school, but while he was there, he remembers looking around the classroom and realizing that it just wasn't for him. His heart wasn't into it as much as his brain was. So he walked away. And um, that was definitely a shock to my family. And you know, they were very unhappy and they were like, look, you know, if you do this, we're not going to be supporting you financially. And I was like, all right, cool. That works for me. Let's do this. So I, uh, I knew I wanted to travel around the world and I knew I wanted to learn about art in some way. So I got a job as an assistant in the global fashion industry. Farood was around 24, 25 years old at the time. He was traveling the world making six figures and his life was all about partying. You know, it's kind of like the dream, right? Like I was living the dream on paper that I think a lot of people, you know, think they want, you know, power, money, success. In spite of doing lucrative work, Farhood quit. He sold everything and took a step back. Actually, it was more like a leap backward. I want to be a storyteller. You know, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to share stories that can uplift people and entertain them. For the first three years, I was essentially on my own. I didn't have any business partners. I didn't know any people who were excited about media content that could bring people together. I mean, keep in mind, this is like, this is a different version of Hollywood, right? Like, you know, eight years ago, you weren't seeing examples in the marketplace of content that really uplifted people. And, you know, I was going into rooms as a scripted writer I was going into rooms in Hollywood and I was like, hey, you know, media can do more. Media can entertain and uplift. People would look at Farhood like he was insane. And while he was fortunate to talk to studio and media executives, they couldn't wrap their head around Farhood's vision. No one at that time did. But that all changed when he met his business partner, Justin Baldoni. 
he obviously was further along in his career than I was. Justin was, I mean, at that time, he was an award-winning director. He was an actor. You might know Justin from playing Rafael Solano on the hit television show, Jane the Virgin. When he and I met, I was just, I was blown away because he was the first person who believed in the same values as I did when it really comes to media. Like, can you imagine if you're on a desert island and you're just starving and you're starving for connection and you're starving for people to understand you and there's no one around. And then all of a sudden this person shows up and they've got this like amazing meal and you're eating with them and you're like, holy where have you been all my life, right? That was what it was like. Shortly after they met, Justin asked for who to join him at Wayfarer Entertainment, an award-winning media studio that's focused on social good storytelling content. We create scripted, unscripted projects. We do feature films. We do digital series. And everything is rooted in the idea that media and storytelling can bring people together. That empathetic storytelling can also be entertaining, right? So everything we do as a company is rooted in this idea of social transformation, of movement building across a variety of buckets. That's the hallmark of who we are. And, um, you know, over the years, Wayfair has really grown a lot. You know, the company was really founded um, on the backs of My Last Days. My Last Days is an inspiring series about how to truly live as told by those who are dying. The mind creates what it needs out of desperation to cope. Cope. I think I'm coping effectively, or at least I'm really trying. Trying not to think about it. My name is Anthony Carbajal, and when I was 26 years old, I was diagnosed with a disease called ALS. Three years ago, doctors said I had two to five years to live. But ALS does not mean that my life is over. And I want everyone to know that you can always live a meaningful life if you evolve with your circumstances. The show demystifies death. It makes a profound impact on how we can see things from a different lens and how we can find joy while we're here on Earth. You know, we partnered with uh, Soul Pancake. Um, They had uh, recently launched their um, YouTube platform. And My Last Days was released. The first season got something like 40 million views on YouTube, which was insane because there was no marketing budget, right? We just put this video on this platform. My Last Days crashed Upworthy server. It went viral all around the world, right? There was a brilliant, brilliant executive. He's to this day our greatest ally. His name is Mr. Rick Haskins. And Rick believed in My Last Days. And he fought to get it on the air. And so far, we've done three additional seasons of My Last Days on the CW. And total, the show has been seen over 90 million times digitally. And roughly each season is averaging something like between 1.5 and 2 million viewers on TV, which is just incredible. It's just, it's a mind-blowing experience because this is a show that people said could never work. They thought it would never work. But do you know how many ideas got hundreds of no's before they changed the world? So when you look at Wayfair as a company, we are storytellers through and through. We are entertainers, but like four or five levels underneath the entertainment, you're being filled with empathy and unity and this sort of 
curiosity to go out into the world and to make some sort of an impact. I don't care what impact you make. The greatest impact could be talking to a person experiencing homelessness and looking into their eyes and making them feel seen. The greatest impact could be telling your grandmother you love her and visiting her. Or the impact could be changing the world through government policy. I don't know. I just want people to feel something from our work and to go out and live it and to do something. To do something about what you care about. To change something that could make you a better person. And perhaps other humans around you. That's what stories can do. Because of the Me Too movement, I started thinking about my own silence and complicity. That's Justin Baldoni in episode four of Man Enough, a groundbreaking dinner party conversation series where men discuss what it means to be a man today. I remember being 17 years old and having a guy uh, that was a really popular guy. He was a football player. And I was out with him and he was drinking. And he was dating a girlfriend of mine because I was friends with all the girls. And he cheated on her in front of me. And I remember being so conflicted of who my loyalty was to in that moment. Was it to him? The popular dude on the football team? The hunter, the guy that could probably kick my ass? Or was it to his girlfriend, who's also my friend? And I remember I didn't say anything to her. Mm-hmm. And I just had to live with that. And I still, and I didn't even remember it until the Me Too stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Because I started to think about what are all the times that I've been silent? And where does that start? And I remember bros before hoes in high school, right? The guy code. It's like I have been conditioned my entire life to have an allegiance to men. In 2006, civil rights activist Tarana Burke coined the phrase Me Too as a way to help women who had survived sexual violence. And two years ago, the Me Too hashtag created a watershed moment. It thrusted sexual violence into the national dialogue, as well as critical conversations around traditional masculinity. If you look at America, you know, at the age of six or seven or eight or nine, we as men were programmed a certain way. We were programmed to, you know, not communicate, not share, not be compassionate, right? We were programmed to judge women and to objectify them, right? That was the frame. And anyone who didn't follow those rules was weak. You were weak. You were not a man anymore. You know, and by the way, God forbid you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you'd be ostracized. So when I was growing up, I never really had a space to communicate and to share. And that was the goal. That was the goal for myself. And that was Justin's goal in creating the show. After Man Enough launched, Farood's life was never the same. You know, my life as the writer and uh, as a producer of the show, it, it completely shifted my relationship with my masculinity and with the women around me. And I'm just grateful. I'm so, so grateful. And, you know, season two is going to be coming out in um, Q2 of 2020, which is really exciting. There's so much more work ahead of Farood and the rest of the amazing team at Wayfarer. Like if I would have met Jay four years before or three years before, I wouldn't have been ready to be his partner. I wouldn't have done the emotional work. And by the way, I'm still doing the work, right? But at that point in time, I wouldn't have navigated my trauma and my ego enough to show up for that partnership. And I feel like there are amazing partnerships out there because there are people 
who first work on themselves and remove as many blockages as possible to then really show up for a partnership. In spite of all the success through Wayfarer, Farood wants to share all the peaks and valleys of his journey. When it comes to business, people's focus is often on their successes, and I think it paints a picture that isn't quite accurate. And I'm really excited about that kind of like multi-dimensional representation of life, where it's like, here's the light, here's the shadow, here's everything in between, and we're all works in progress. You and I, we are works in progress. But as we let go of our insecurities, as we become kinder to ourselves, we transform not only our own lives, but others as well. I just invite everybody to have empathy for themselves. We know we're walking around very afraid and very judgmental and very kind of, I don't know, broken in some ways. And I believe that if we're truly going to heal ourselves as a country, and if we're truly going to come together, we have to come together with ourselves. And we have to recognize that we are wounded. We need healing. And if we can facilitate that wounding and that healing within ourselves, you'll start seeing it in the world around you. If you want to learn more about Farhood's work, hop on over to wearewayfarer.com. Check out My Last Days, which airs on the CW Network. Also, both My Last Days and Man Enough are available on Facebook Watch. Want to know how else you can reach Farhood? Send me an email. I'm farhood at wearewayfarer.com. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, do you do that a lot? No, I never have, but I felt compelled in this moment, so... (laughs) Stay tuned for this week's installment of Let's Dive In. In this episode of Let's Dive In, we're hearing from Johnny Irwin, Executive Director at City Surf Project. City Surf Project is a youth surfing program out of San Francisco. And our mission is to connect underrepresented youth to the ocean and themselves through the sport of surfing. Their organization uses surfing as a vehicle to inspire the youth to appreciate and have respect for nature. Their program also encourages young people to adopt a healthy lifestyle and to step outside of their comfort zone. So much of our lives were connected through our phones, through technology. So we need for ourselves to find ways of disconnecting. And our program is great in the sense that our youth are forced to disconnect because you cannot take your phone in the water yet. I know that technology will bridge that gap, but right now it's we take kids out for three to four hours and it's those are three to four hours where they are present in nature, in the ocean, disconnected, away from the screen. We partner with schools, public schools in the areas, Title I schools in San Francisco. So we have partnered with six Title I schools to start surfing PE programs. Uh, We call them Surfing 101 programs, where students actually earn PE credit. And during these classes, they get an opportunity to learn to swim, to surf, and how to respect the environment. 
Apart from free surfing lessons, they also offer surf leadership trainings and offer one-week camps for underrepresented youth. We provide the wetsuits, surfboards, and transportation, all the equipment. We try to have at least amount of barriers in place for our youth to participate. Uh, many of these youth wouldn't normally get this experience or have this opportunity. Finally, if you need more convincing that you should get out and find local ways to make an impact, here's what Johnny has to say. The volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization. We wouldn't exist without their support to help us run our large amounts of programs. It's super important in this day and age where you know communities are really disconnected and it's in really volunteering and connecting with nonprofits that do social impact is a way of bridging those communities together. And in a time when we're so polarized, if you look at our political climate, if you look at um, everything you see on the news or whatnot, with so much uh, attempting to divide us. And what better way volunteering a way of connecting people that wouldn't normally be connected. You can learn more about programs and events at City Surf Project on their website. Just type in citysurfproject.com. City Surf Project is one of the thousands of organizations you'll see on the Diven app. So if you want to connect with local nonprofits and easily discover volunteer opportunities and meaningful events in your area, check out Divin. Just visit divin.app/download. All the links mentioned in today's episode are in our show notes. That's it for this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be in your ears again next week. Remember, be good to one another. This show is produced by Human Group Media, an award-winning social good podcast company. Human Group Media works with thought leaders, brands, and organizations to inspire social change through the power of audio storytelling.